with you this morning. We're going to be considering again 1 Thessalonians and uh, very, very grateful for the Lord's Supper this morning. I was really blessed by the participation, especially when I see young people and uh, how exciting it is to worship our Lord, amen, to lift up his name, to glorify him. When, when I do mission work and I take teams with me, we're working through the mountains the, the people who are leading us, who are guiding us, are 13, 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old young uh, teenagers, right? Passing tracks, sharing the gospel. It's, it's just amazing. So I take a lot of the young men that I'm mentoring. I said, I want you to get a, a vision and see what God is doing through young people. And God is starting to bring revival amongst the assemblies. They need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit and understand this, but he's doing it through young people. As I see young people here, you are the ones that God is using now and that is going to use in a powerful way to bring revival, to glorify his name, to bring salvation, to bring a, a, a mighty movement of God. But he's doing it through young people. In our uh, assembly, we have a revival going, and it's young people who are doing it. They're leading the way, men and women. And I was telling the uh, assembly yesterday that in our prayer meeting, we have a 20, 25 young people. We have about 12 or 13 adults. They're leading. They're, they're teaching the word. They're praying. And they're seeking God. So uh, don't, don't miss what the Spirit of God is doing. All right, you, are you there in 1 Thessalonians? I'm not. Give me a minute. Be there in a second. All right, so I, I wanted to do a, a review, but what I'm going to do is I, we're just going to start with, with this particular passage and, and go from there because to, to review, we, this is the fifth message already, and it's gonna, it would take a while. So if you want to know what we talked about, go on. Is it online or where is it? Where is it? Okay, it's online. Look there. And you'll see 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16. Verse 16. Uh, by the way, if you want to know about me, those of you who weren't here, uh, my real name is Raimundo. Uh, so you call me Ray, you know, the, the short, shortened version or whatever, so you can understand. But if you want to call me Raimundo, I'm good with it. Raimundo Gonzalez, named after my, my parents, named me after my uncle who passed away when he was young. So it was in memory of him. I'm married 36 years, three children, four grandchildren, and I'm blessed. I've been saved 48 years, and just praise God, never get tired of my salvation or of the Word of God and what God is doing and how He's moving. All right, so let's look at the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God. For you in Christ Jesus, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterance, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, 
and he also will bring it to pass. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all of the brethren with a holy kiss. I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. Grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Well, my, my favorite verse, in all, well, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible is, is uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 26. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Now, when you grow up in the Latin uh, community like I did, the Spanish assemblies, especially when they are started by Argentinians, they practice the holy kiss, right? So they come to you, you know, the men, how are you this morning, Raimundo? And give you a kiss, right? Boom, on both sides, right? And the women as well. And of course, I loved it when I was a teenager. I'm like, yeah, I want Claudia to give me the holy kiss. Come on over here, Claudia. <laughs> and Lydia and all the other ones. Yeah, that was my, that's, why my, that's my favorite verse. Of course, I ended up marrying Laura, you know, who didn't know about the holy kiss. Now she does. <laughs> All right. So uh, in, in, in this particular passage right here, we, we have uh, three, three, uh, two sets of three. Two sets of three. So we kind of looked at it yesterday, but I want to do kind of just uh, as a review, and then we'll go into what the Lord has for us today. Now, the first three is 16, 17, 18, and 19, where it's really this. Rejoice in the Lord always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks for this is the will of God. And so the, the people who are being written to, who are receiving this letter, are people who are going through persecution and affliction and all kinds of trouble. So he wasn't writing to people who are in America that have a good job and everything's good. They have their car, their home, their family are well fed and well blessed. He's talking to people who are being persecuted, who are going through hard times uh, and afflicted. And he says to them, rejoice in the Lord always. He says the same thing in Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, right. And so what should be something that stands out in the life of a believer who God has gotten a hold of is that you what? You rejoice. You rejoice. When a non-believer walks in, they should see the joy of the Lord. They should see us rejoicing in Him, right? And regardless of what you're going through, rejoice in the Lord. Uh, what, what a great uh, exhortation to us. Secondly, it says, In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, we were saying yesterday, what is the will of God? You know, people are always asking that question, right? What is God's will? Yeah, here's some young people. Have you asked that question? God, what is your will? What do you want from me? Well, what, is, what, what does it say right there? What does the text say? Uh, this is the will of God. To do what? To do what? Give thanks in? And what? Uh, do you have cancer? Have you thanked God for it? Do, do you, have you lost your job? Are you going through trouble? Is there issues in your life? This is the will of God. People who are being persecuted and who are suffering and going through afflictions. This is God's will. Give thanks. Well, are you doing it? Are you out of the will of God and not being grateful? Are you a grouch? This is the will of God. You know, because we want to know what, what's God's will. Give thanks. Give thanks for your wife. Give thanks for your husband, for your children. Give thanks in everything. That's God's will. So somebody goes, I want to know God's will. Here it is, right there. In everything, give thanks. But there's another one. 
This is the will of God. You're what? You're what? 1 Thessalonians 4.3. This is the will of God. You're sanctification. Right? Your sanctification. That is, that you abstain. So young people come, I want to know God's will. What does God want me to do? This is the will of God. Your sanctification is that you abstain from what? From what, young people? From what? Uh, from sexual immorality. That's right. That's right. And, and, in, and in today's culture where all the young people are, are committing all kinds of atrocities, all kinds of immoralities and sexual sins, for the believer it's different. This is God's will for your life. You want to know it? Then keep yourself clean. That's God's will. It's not confusing the will of God. And then following that, of course, is do not quench the Holy Spirit. How are you going to quench the Holy Spirit? By, by not being in the will of God. How are you not in the will of God? Because as a young person, or adults as well, are, are, are not uh, being sanctified, or not abstaining, well, then we're quenching the Holy Spirit. We're not allowing the Holy Spirit to move in our lives in a powerful way. How is the Holy Spirit going to get a hold of me and use me mightily for his kingdom and for his glory? And I'm going to see God move and change people and bring salvation. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 says don't grieve him. Don't grieve him. So if we're not grieving the Holy Spirit, we're not quenching the Holy Spirit, we're allowing him to move in our lives, then we're going to be living in, in, in sanctification. We're going to abstain from sexual immorality. And we're going to be grateful people who give thanks in everything. This is God's will for your life. So are you in the will of God or are you being grouch? Are you in the will of God or are, are you being sexually promiscuous? Then you're automatically out of the will of God. And they're like, God, why don't you bless me? Why don't you bless me? Because you're quenching the Holy Spirit and you're out of the will of God. You're not living right. I want you to bless me, but then you're, you're slamming your wife. I want you to bless me, but you're talking bad about your husband. You're quenching the Holy Spirit. This is the will of God, your sanctification. Now, the second set of three, second set of three is in verse five, 5 and 20, do not despise prophetic utterance, but examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good, and abstain from every form of evil. So don't despise prophecy, test all things, and abstain from every form of evil. So, so the second set is the second set of, if you will, a second sentence in the Greek where, where it's exhorting us then not to despise the teaching of the Word of God. Don't get tired of it. Keep being hungry for God's Word to, to be taught and to and, and and listen to it and read it and desire the word of God. That's really what it's saying. Test all things. Hold fast to that which is good. So the Bible exhorts us in several uh, passages in the Bible to test things. Test the spirit. See if they're from God. And of course, and finally, abstain. There's a second abstain from every form of evil. So even from the form of evil, even from from giving the, the wrong impression to, to non-believers or even to young Christians who are looking up, up to you, uh, abstain from every form of evil. Don't stumble them. Don't stumble them. Abstain. Watch out for those things that are evil that would contaminate us. All right, that's the thing that we are supposed to do. All right, so 
What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to rejoice in the Lord always. We're supposed to be in the will of God. And that expresses itself in that we give thanks in everything and that we are sanctified. We're abstaining from sexual sin. And we're not quenching the Holy Spirit. Amen? <laughs> That's right. And then, the, the, what else are we supposed to do? Don't despise prophecy. Test all things and abstain from every form of evil. Now, the next section is what God does for us. So the first set of uh, six, three and three, were what we do, right? We're, we're this is the will of God. We're, we're doing that. We're abstaining. Uh, we're giving thanks. That's what we do. Now, what God does is we're going to look at uh, next in verse 23. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. All right, this is what God does then for us, and that's the prayer. Now, the first thing we're going to consider here is, notice that it's, he is the God of peace. He is the God of peace. He himself, what does he want to do? He wants to sanctify you. He wants to sanctify you. Romans 5.1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're at peace with God, but more than that, anything, more than that, God is at peace with us because of what Jesus did. So I don't know why, but when I was growing up, I had the impression that somehow I had to keep trying to please God so that he would stop being mad at me. And I figured, here, you know, you're not good enough. You're not doing enough. You're not behaving well enough. And I always felt that I had to keep performing because he was mad. But I realize now that, God, you're at peace with me because of what Jesus did on my behalf. He's at peace. And so he's the, the God of peace. We have peace with God. Romans 15, 33, the peace of God be with you. Romans 16, 20, the peace of God will soon crush Satan under your feet. 2 Thessalonians 3, 16, look, turn there. We're in Thessalonians. Look what 3, 16 says. Now may, this time he calls him Lord. Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. So I don't know what your circumstance may be, because I know one thing, that every assembly has people and every one of us have all kinds of issues. Right? Sometimes you look at it, oh, that looks like a happy, happy couple. Then you start investigating, you realize... Man, they're, they're, they're like fighting like cats and dogs. Uh, you look at another person, they look like they're doing well, and they just lost their job. You look at another person, and they're, they're dealing with a special needs child. And, and all of that work that comes with it, and, and all of the frustration, and the heartbreak from that. And, and you know, another a friend of mine, their baby died. And so you never know. What's going on in someone's heart? Praise the Lord, he does know. And he knows how to comfort and how to encourage us. But notice that the text says, The Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. See, because God is interested in your life. And in everything you're going through, he's well aware of it. And he wants to grant you his peace. You know, when you can't sleep at night because of the issue, whatever it may be, and you're tossing and turning. Lord, give me your peace in this circumstance. I need it. And so 
we go on and, and we look at another passage, 2 Corinthians 13, 11, The God of love and peace shall be with you. Uh, Philippians 4, 7. And I, would, I want to read that particular passage. I, I love that passage. Philippians 4 and 7. And the peace of God. Yeah, let's go verse 6 first. 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And so now it's the peace of God that guards your heart and your mind. What has you anxious? Let the peace of God guard you. That's a blessing to us. In Isaiah 9, 6, Jesus called the Prince of Peace. So my Lord and Savior is a Prince of Peace. In, in, in Psalm 4, 8, here's what David said. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for thou, O Lord, dost make me to dwell in safety. You know what he said? Psalm chapter 3 and 4 go together when you study them. Now, it has to do with Absalom trying to kill David. Now, I don't know about you, but if my son tries to come at me and kill me, I don't think I would have peace and I don't think I would sleep well. Would you? Now, was David lying? Of course not. Because the scriptures don't lie. And so God reveals to us because he says it both in Psalm 3 and Psalm 4 that uh, the, 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 I lied down. I was able to sleep in peace. I was able to get my rest because God was with me. And so the God of peace, he wants to give you peace in every circumstance and give you rest. Is anybody here tired and yawning this morning because you didn't rest last night? Well, ask the God of peace to get a hold of you and give you his peace. All right, now, the next thing he says, if you notice the text, go back to 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you. Notice, entirely, entirely. He wants to sanctify you completely, your whole being. God works in every aspect of our lives. Now, listen to what William McDonald says. There's four different kind of sanctifications. First is a pre-conversion sanctification, positional sanctification, practical or progressive sanctification, and then perfect and complete sanctification. Now, the, per the first one is he's, he's exhorting the wife. Wife, don't leave the husband because your children are sanctified because of you. And, and I know that many, I, I've been witness. Uh, in fact, I just talked to, one of the ladies that the Lord allowed me to bring to Christ, we, her husband wouldn't get saved, but he finally did get saved. And, and I said to her, whatever you do, don't leave him. Because your children are sanctified, are blessed because of you. And sooner or later, God's going to speak to that man. He's going to save him. And the Lord did it. The Lord did it. The children got saved. And the husband got saved. But, but see... The home was already sanctified because mom came to Christ first. And the same thing happened in our home. My dad got saved first, and then two years later, mom got saved. But the home was sanctified because of the salvation of dad. So that's pre-conversion sanctification. But then there's the positional sanctification that when I get saved, I am set apart for God, 
for his glory and for his service. I am sanctified, set apart for him. That's my positional sanctification. You don't do anything in that God does it. He saves you. He sanctifies you. Now you belong to me. Now you're here for my work and for me. And then there's the practical or progressive. Well, I don't know about you, but as the years go by, every, every couple of years, the Holy Spirit says, okay, now it's time to clean up some more. See, at first, you didn't think this was too bad or too dirty or too sinful. But now that you're growing in faith and growing in me, and I'm sanctifying you, you kind of start letting go of those certain things. I like what you pray, brother. Lord, there's still sins that we need to clean up. Uh, the amen, right? And so, Lord, I used to not think that movie was that bad, but now I'm seeing that it's affecting me. And I'm going to have to cut it out. Because we don't want to quench the Holy Spirit, remember? And God wants to sanctify me practically through the Holy Spirit and make me like Christ. And so if I'm going to make you like Christ, then let go of that attitude. If I'm going to make you like Christ, stop cursing. If I'm going to make you like Christ, stop losing your temper. And it's time to start making some changes. And then you make those changes and a few years down the line, Holy Spirit, okay, now let's make some more. And let's make some more. And he never stops working and sanctifying us. That's practical sanctification. And so when I was young and married, man, I was a young hothead, you know? I had that Mexican hot blood running through me. Maybe because all the hot sauce I eat. I don't know what it was, but something did it. But, but man, all of a sudden, as the years go by, I say, Lord, you're taking away that, that anger that I had, that just didn't matter, it exploding. And then my wife saw me playing basketball in my young day when we were first met. She was, dude, you're a Christian except for when you play ball. Now you lose your temper, you pray. I was, I was so aggressive, you know. And the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. I'm going to sanctify you. And, and so that, that is what you call practical sanctification, where the Holy Spirit starts to purge and clean and get all that stuff out. And then there's the perfect and complete sanctification. Amen to that, right? When finally, as it says in, in 1 John 3, we, we don't know... Uh, we're gonna, we don't know what we're going to be like. I should say, I should have read it. But anyway, but we're going to be, here's the part. We're going to be like him at that time. Finally, 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 when the Lord calls me home or the rapture comes, whatever comes first, I, I, I'm going to be like Jesus. I don't, have to, I don't have to fight this body anymore. And so that's uh, the complete sanctification. I can't wait to that. And notice the next. He says, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete. So notice then that it's spirit, soul, and body. The spirit enables communion with God. We're created in the image of God. Consequently, we, we want relationship, don't we? And so does God because he created us for that. And so that's why I have the spirit. And then the soul, the soul is, is uh, the, where the emotions and the desires and the affections and the propensities uh, because of so, we can connect with one another, right? And then we have the body. The body houses uh, the, the spirit and the soul. It's the tent in 2 Corinthians 5. I like that. It's a tent. It's just temporary. We're going to get rid of it soon. Right now, but, but notice, I like what McDonald's says, notice that man has turned it around. Here's the way man looks at life. It's, it's body, soul, and spirit. So in other words, it's about 
it's about the body first. It's about the flesh. And, and especially today, it's all about working out. Everybody you see that they got muscles everywhere, you know. And people are all in shape and, and, and it's a body and the body. And that's all they appeal to. And that's exactly what the enemy wants is that all we focus on is the physical. Now, all my life I played sports myself. I worked out and all that kind of stuff. But I realize now that it's more important to, to build up my spirit than my body. It's spirit, soul, and body, not body, soul, and spirit. And so, yes, even now, I try to take care of myself, watch how I eat, do my exercise, and all that kind of stuff. But more than anything, I want to feed my spirit. May the Lord sanctify you completely, spirit, soul, and body. And so the spirit is first. Sin reversed the order. Man lives for the body and neglects the spirit. But we as believers uh, change the order back, right? Because of what God has done in my life. Now it's spirit, soul, and body. Now, let's, let's dig into this a little bit. Be, be sure blameless. Now, I want you to turn with me, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. We're, we're going to unpack this. We're going to unpack this. So he says that we're going to, he wants to sanctify me completely, spirit, soul, and body. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we'll get into 7 in a minute. Notice verse 16. We're going to try to understand what this means. It says, or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Talking to Christians, by the way. For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. How blessed are we that the living God would say I'm his temple and that he would dwell with me and walk with me. You realize how blessed we are? That that's a reality? And so, so but notice what he's saying. I, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their guide, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from the mist and be separate. Sanctification, says the Lord, and do not touch what is evil, and I will welcome you. In other words, uh, I, I want so much to walk among you, to be with you, to be your father, to bring you close, to bless you. But you have to decontaminate yourself, if you will. Stop doing the things that hinder me from being close to you. Because I want that. I want that so bad. And, and I will be a father to you, verse 18. And you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So he wants to draw close. Draw close near to God, James chapter 4. And God will draw near to you. It's not God who pulls away. It's us. We are the ones that pull away from God. God is there, and, and, and he wants to walk with me and be with me and bless me and fill me with his joy and with his presence and with his peace. Now look at 7.1 then. Therefore, having these promises that God wants to be near me and walk with me and be my father. Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and what? Spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So there are some things that can defile me, defile my spirit and my flesh. And so God so desires 
to be close to us, to be a father to us, to bring us in, to embrace us, to love us, to walk with me so that I can feel his presence and be blessed with him. And yet we have to cleanse ourselves from those things that defile. You could defile your spirit. That's what it says. Now let's take this a little deeper. Let's go to, to 1 Corinthians 10. Let's look at another example. Now, have you heard the, the terminology guilt by association? Anybody heard that? Right now, a friend of uh, not a friend of mine, but there was a man. He was a very excellent student. He was a scholar. He got a scholarship in basketball and football. He started hanging around the wrong crowd. And one day, his buddy said, hey, come on, let's go to the store. Uh, you drive us. So he drove them. And they parked a block away. He wasn't even thinking. They went into the store and they robbed the store. And they shot the store attendant, whatever you call the person that you pay. Then they came running. They jumped in the car. They said, go. And he's like, what? We just robbed the store. Oh, so he takes off driving. Then the cops come and pull them over. He didn't do a thing, right? But when he was before the before the judge, and they said, you, 20 years in jail, but I didn't do anything. You drove the getaway car, guilt by association, 20 years in jail. Now, praise God, he got saved in jail, and now he's serving the Lord. But the, the judge said, you're guilty by association. Now, having said that, and we, we want to be cleansed from everything that would defile, look at what it says here. 1 Corinthians 10, and we'll start with verse 19 for the sake of time. Ah, I got time. We come back up. 14. 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, you judge what I say. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? So in other words, when we're in the Lord's Supper, we are one in Christ. I am in Christ, and he is with me. As uh, Tony Evans said, when you get a cup of coffee and you put that half and half in there, it mixes in, and it becomes one. It's no longer two separate things. We become one thing, and that's what we are in Christ. I am you, uh, uh, eternally entangled, united with Christ when I get saved. Amen? <laughs> All right? And, and so that's what he's saying right here when when we're sharing the, 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 the bread and the cup, we, we, we are one unit in Christ, and together we're worshiping our Lord and Savior. So notice for, for, uh, verse 17, Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. So you're guilt by association with Christ. You partake in his blessing. Yeah? All right? Now notice, look at the nation of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices sharers in the altar? Of course. Yes, they are. Verse 19. What do I mean then? That a thing sacrificed to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrificed, they sacrificed to demons and not to God. Now, don't miss this. And I do not want you, believers, to become sharers in demons. 
You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we not stronger than he? We're not stronger than he, are we? Wow. You know that a believer can actually participate with demons? I didn't say you can get in thought with a demon. That's not what the text says. You become a sharer with a demon. What do you mean? You know, here comes a Christian. Instead of trusting God, he goes to the zodiac. Let me look at my future. And the demons are, yeah, do it. Don't trust God. Do it. Go to the tarot cards. Go, go here. Go there. And, and you know what? They don't care if you know it or not, or you're aware of it or not, as long as you do it. Because you're guilty by association. And then we wonder why there's no power in our lives. Or that we have no authority. Why there's so much sin. And, and, and so we're so quick to divorce and just walk away. To give up. And Paul says, I don't want you to participate with demons. And they're like, yeah, we do. And, and we're, gonna, we're so tricky and so sneaky that you're doing it. You don't even realize you're doing it. The Lord wants us them to put away anything that would defile our spirit spirit secondly the soul the soul go to second peter 2 11 with me second peter 2 11 notice the text i'm sorry first peter first peter look what it says beloved I urge you as aliens and strangers, because we're not of this world anymore. We've been set apart for God, right? To abstain from what? From fleshly lust, which wage war against who? Our soul. Our soul. Now, the, the terminology here in the Greek has to do with guerrilla warfare. Now, you remember the United States, when they were fighting Britain, they were way outnumbered. They didn't have the equipment. They didn't have the soldiers. They didn't have anything they needed to win this battle. So what did they resort to? Guerrilla warfare. That's right. So they were coming. They would just, they would just shoot and run. Kill a few and run. And they're constantly nagging and attacking. And little by little, they picked them apart and picked them apart to where you, they eventually won the war. It's terrible. Guerrilla warfare. That's what the... Um, that's what the terrorists do, right? They're, they're, they're dirty, they're sneaky, and they don't care because they want to win. And so the U.S. won. Uh, they beat a massive army, well-equipped and all, through guerrilla warfare. So that's the same idea. Now watch. Watch what it says then. I want you to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against your soul. So constantly, every day until the day you die, you're in a battle. You're in a guerrilla warfare, right? And, and, and this guerrilla warfare is waging war against your soul. And it's coming at your soul because it's going to do whatever it can to get you to stumble. And it's relentless and it doesn't stop. See, I, I thought that by this stage in my life, after being saved 40-something years, that I, that I would stop. This battle wouldn't be as intense, but it's more intense than it ever was. And so abstain from fleshly lust because they're warring against your soul. 
And so there's a battle against your spirit. And the demons want you to partake. Then there's this battle against my soul. It's a guerrilla warfare that unending. Abstain from fleshless because there's this battle going on. And, and God wants you to have the victory. And the victory is attainable. It's ours. So, so look at verse 12. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the things in which they slander you as evildoers, they may account of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Wow. And so the Lord wants to sanctify us completely, spirit and soul. And then, of course, there's the bodily defilement. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 3. Let's go back to our original text. And, and notice then, notice how interesting. This is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the lustful passions like the Gentiles who do not know God. And that no man transgress or defraud his brother in the, in, in the matter because of the Lord is the avenger in all these things. Just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. For God, verse 7, watch, has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. Consequently, see this one verse that nobody ever looks at. I've never heard anybody preach on this verse. Always in the first part, but never in the second, on this latter. That consequently, he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but God who gives us the Holy Spirit. You know what he's saying? That you say, I know, I know, I know, I'm supposed to keep myself sanctified and pure, but you know, the girl was pretty and she got next to me and, you know, I couldn't help it. He said that you, you're, you're resisting the Holy Spirit. Did you see it? Let's read it again. Let's read it again. Notice, consequently, he who rejects this, what? Sanctification, sexual purity, is not rejecting man, but the God who gives us the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Have you ever looked at it that way? The Holy Spirit says, I saved you through the work of Jesus Christ. I, I, I sanctified you and set you apart positionally. Now, practically, I want to do the same thing, and you're resisting me. And I want you to be sanctified, not only in spirit, not only in soul, but also in flesh. Don't resist me in the spiritual part. Don't resist me in the soul part. And don't resist me in the physical part. And, and so th that's, that's what he's talking about. When he says, go back to the original text, 1 Thessalonians 5. Let's go back to 23. Notice the text then. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. May your spirit and your soul and your body be preserved complete. All of you, not half of you. He wants to completely preserve you, set you apart without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a rapture. When we're going to give account. But he's going to do it. He already set us apart for him positionally. Amen. Praise God for that. But practically, because that's what we're going to give account for, right? Your practical sanctification. Did you allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify you completely, to work in your life, 
and make you like Christ. Now, praise God. God does the work and not us, right? So God, look, I've tried. I can't do it. You have to work in my life supernaturally through the Holy Spirit because I just can't do it. So as soon as you admit that, you're already taking a huge step. Now, verse 24, he faithful is he who calls you. The same God who saves you and sets you apart and sanctifies you will faithfully get you through your Christian walk. He doesn't give up on you. As you prayed again, I was like, man, this dude took my sermon in his prayer. Right? He doesn't give up. Are you, are, you, um, are you giving up on someone? Giving up on the spouse? Not giving up on your child? Because we tend to give up. Give up on the church. You know, I'm tired of this body. Man, the Lord won't give up on you. Because when he saves you, it's for all eternity. He who believes in me has eternal life and will not be condemned. Faithful. Is he? He's faithful and he's going to walk us through. But he wants to walk you through with victory and with power. But God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 1 9, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son Jesus, his son Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians 10 13, God is faithful in temptation. He knows what we can handle and he, and he always leaves a way out for us. 2 Peter 2, 9, the Lord knows how to rescue from temptation. Hebrews 10, 23, he who promises is faithful. God can be trusted to keep his promises. And he will then empower me. He's faithful. He never gives up on my life. Even when I'm walking in sin, he's there. Even when I'm in rebellion, he's there. That's why he says, draw near to God because God is right there waiting. Because he's faithful. He's faithful. How blessed are we to have this God? And let's go to 2 Thessalonians 3. So we can try to close this out. Second Thessalonians 3 and 3. But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Because the evil one wants to destroy us, right? Wants us to be defiled in spirit, soul, and flesh, right, and body. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. Now watch this. And may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. You know, we have that propensity, that, that inclination to to doubt God. Am, am I missing out on something? Do you really love me? And, it, and the prayer is, I'm praying that you, you would be drawn and understand that there's no limit to the love of God. When, when he takes you on, when he saves you, he, gets you, he saves you with all of your baggage, right? with, with all of those weaknesses, with all that stuff that you've done. In all of that, his grace will never let you go because you're saved by grace, not by work. By what he does, not by your performance. I'm praying that, that you would be drawn to that love. You would understand that. And, and, and to the steadfastness of Christ. 
Christ is steadfast for your sake. And, and understand that. And so he who promises is faithful. God can be trusted to keep his promises. And so may the Lord, our God, the God of peace, sanctify you completely in spirit, soul, and body. And God is faithful. He's going to do it. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your, the work of the Holy Spirit in sanctifying us. Father, forgive us if we have in any way, shape, or form contaminated our spirit and help us to cleanse. Forgive us, Lord, if in this guerrilla warfare we have somehow contaminated our souls. Forgive us if we have in any way, shape, or form been sexually or immoral, impure. Cleanse us, Lord that we may, be, we may be empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a life in the life of Christ. Help us, we pray. And thank you for your grace and thank you that you're faithful and you don't give up on us. In Christ's name. Thank you for having me.